thick-skinned plastic bag and animated by the spiritual essence of a prehistoric tyrannosaur. Not offending him is a good thing. I know people who've made whole careers out of it. And the books? The Ahasuerus Codex and the Enigma Venificium. Don't ask me why he wanted them, because I don't know. Neither do I, but my background in arcane textbooks is limited to what I pick up through osmosis. I'll have to ask Acefonger what significance those two titles have when I get back to the office. Gus tries to bite my hand. Yeah, his mouth is right there, and most pyres make a hungry Cheeto look slow, but it's still a loser move. I mean, all I have to do is twitch. Unluckily for Gus, I'm in a twitchy mood. His skull slows the bullet down just enough that the slug only ricochets four or five times off the walls. After all, we're in a big metal box. By the time Gus's body hits the ground, it's mostly bones. Looks like his time debt was a few decades at least. Damn it, I say. No matter how tough I act, I don't take ending a life lightly. I never used to, anyway. I am sick of people not taking me seriously. Tell that to the other two guys you shot, Charlie says. The ones lying outside and moaning. Pretty sure they're reevaluating their estimation of you right now. Sure, after I shoot someone, they show me some respect. As long as they don't collapse in a pile of decomposing calcium, that is. Maybe you should switch to a different weapon. Maybe I should get a more supportive partner. Yeah, I hear there's a long waiting list for that. I give him the finger, which seems to be universal no matter which universe you're from. He ignores it, which is also standard. We go back outside, it's the middle of the night, and call an ambulance for the two muscle heads I shot. One's a pyre, the other's a throp. He's still in half-wear form, a large, wolf-headed guy dressed in cargo shorts and a Hawaiian shirt. Thropes can't talk when they're in wear form. Their mouths aren't shaped right for it, but he's giving off this continual high-pitched whine that's really getting on my nerves. I believe this is yours, Charlie says. He holds up what's left of a deformed silver slug between thumb and forefinger. Where'd you find that? About two inches into the hole it made in my chest and my shirt, and my lapel. Charlie dresses like a private eye from a Raymond Chandler novel, right down to the fedora, but his suits are always immaculately tailored. He appreciates getting holes in them, about as much as staining his alligator skin shoes with raw sewage, which is how we'd started the evening. Yeah, ricochets can be a bitch. Sorry, want some gum to patch it up? And smell like juicy fruit for the rest of the night? No thanks, I think I prefer the raw sewage. That's not sewage. That's the smell this case is starting to give off. We'll find him, Jace. Yeah, sure. Catching Aristotle Stoker is the only way my employers will give me a ticket back to my own universe. A nice, comforting place of global warming, war in the Middle East, nuclear weapons, and no vampires, werewolves, or golems. The only magic I ever want to see again involves a top hat, a rabbit, and maybe a two-drink minimum. But I've been chasing his trail for the last three months, and it's getting colder and colder. What makes things even worse is that the number of cases I'm being asked to consult on is steadily rising, the consequences of Stoker disseminating a viral video with nasty long-term consequences. Yours truly managed to reverse the immediate mummification effect, but many of the thropes and pyres who are exposed are showing varying degrees of mental instability. Until now, the supernatural races of this world have been immune to insanity. As a result, they have very little experience in dealing with it. As a criminal profiler for the FBI, I have lots.
more in fact than anyone on the planet. So I'm currently in high demand, even if I'm not exactly popular. The other agents in the NSA office I work out of call me the Bloodhound, which I prefer to see as a testament to my tracking abilities as opposed to any reference to a female canine, or the fact that my boss is a pyre with a reputation for liking human women. Scarlet fever, they call it. Of course, nobody says that to my boss's face. David Cassius might look like an 18-year-old blonde surfer, but he's so old his time debt might actually cause him to fossilize if anyone manages to stake him. Not that I expect that to ever happen. He hasn't stayed undead as long as he has through luck. The ambulance finally arrives, along with some local law enforcement. The cops aren't too happy about two wounded thugs and a dead pyre, but I don't much care. I flash my NSA badge and tell them to take it up with my boss if they have a problem. We climb into our own car, a bulky Crown Vic, and head back for the office. Charlie's driving while I stare out the window and brood.